Hi everybody, this is Alf speaking. Welcome back on the Macro Compass. As Socrates used to say, the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. Well, it's uh, quite a big statement, but it's the intro line that I used to uh, present this article, which is on the art of macro portfolio construction. Global macro and markets are a gigantic puzzle, and there will always be investors that are lured to the idea that in the end they can put all the pieces of the puzzle together and find the holy grail of investing. The reality is often very different. We will always miss some pieces, and we will often be pretty wrong. The common trait, indeed, of the best investors I know is that they don't have a crystal ball, but instead they embrace and live by a very simple principle, which is they try to maximize the odds, not the certainty, but the odds that they will achieve good returns while taking a predictable amount of risk. Now, you can do that by being very good at macro, but you can also increase your odds by mastering the art of portfolio construction. So this article will be uh, discussing the foundations on how to do that, both on a strategic and tactical portfolio basis, and also look at some trades that are sitting in my portfolios that try to reflect these principles. Now, there are, as we know, we will be wrong plenty of times, guys. There are basically three things, at least three things, that I think we need to care about to manage risks around these inevitable bumps and to construct solid portfolios that maximize our odds uh, to effectively be successful in this game. The first is to build unbiased and data-driven macro models and not to blindly trust them. The second is to find your opponents, which is the market's weak spots. And the third one is to remember that correlations are not stable and that internals and cross-asset market moves really matter. So let's start from the first, build unbiased and data-driven macro models and do not blindly trust them. So there you need to understand that global macro and markets are not a zero or one binary outcome environment, but they are rather a probabilistic setup. There are multiple potential outcomes and there are odds that these outcomes could materialize at any point in time. Now, every investor, of course, has its own subject subjective setup, and this must be weighted against what the market is pricing in. Now, my approach to generate my own subjective probabilistic macro setup is to create an unbiased data-driven macro model, and after all the hard work to put it up together, to not blindly rely on it for investment decisions. As you well know, the macro compass is one of the, you know, the output, uh, data-driven uh, output of one of my macro models. It uses forward-looking macro indicators, amongst which the credit impulse, but many more, and a proprietary gauge for the monetary policy stance against neutral stance. And so there, there is real interest rates against R star, liquidity proxies, and many other things. I look at those two um, axes, basically, to grasp my subjective base case macro environment, where we currently sit in. Right now, this would say that we sit in quadrant four. Quadrant four, because economic growth is poised to decelerate further, central banks are likely to keep monetary policy and liquidity tighter than equilibrium level. And this quadrant four has historically been a pretty poor setup for risk-adjusted real returns across asset classes. And yet, I am not blindly relying on these uh, models that use a lot of indicators behind them. Instead, I'm overweight long and bonds in my structural long-term portfolio, and I'm not just shorting everything else in my tactical book. Despite blindly looking at the macro compass, you would assume that's the thing to do, right? That to maximize our odds, we also need to look at at least two more things, as I said before. The first is to find the market's weak spots, because this is not an absolute exercise. This is a relative exercise. 
your aim should be to find the best risk reward setups in the relative differences, in the relative discrepancies between valuations and basically market pricing in, market discounting of what's going to happen and your assessment of what's going to happen. So for instance, if you think that there is a high probability the Fed will have to cut rates to 0%, but the market is already discounting the same probabilistic setup, honestly, you wouldn't be maximizing your odds of success by adding a trade to your book because the market is already discounting that, right? So for a strategic investor, the relative assessment can be performed by looking at valuations and probability distributions. That's what I did when I bought 10 year plus euro and dollar treasury bonds for my structural portfolio at the end of June. Uh, a chart I put in the, in, the, um, in the article shows how markets were pricing the European Central Bank to remain in restrictive territory for more than a decade, even though right now the economy is already weakening very hard. I mean, this large discrepancy alone was very hard to ignore, despite my macro compass is not necessarily suggesting this is a great time to buy bonds. The other way to look at it would be to look at probability distributions. If you're able to identify a very distorted one and anticipate how and when the markets are going to normalize it, then you have a good edge. So I put up a, a screen in the article that shows the payoff of a Canadian dollar, Japanese yen, one-year digital option. Sounds extremely complicated, but it's really not. The option requires you to pay $80,000 Canadian dollar upfront. And if you're right, you're going to get a final payoff of a million. Canadian dollar. That happens if Canadian dollar against Japanese yen weakens by 20% or more in the next year. And if that happens, you get paid a million uh, Canadian dollar. If it doesn't, you lost your premium, which is ADK. So ADK upfront against either zero or a million. That means that the implied probability priced in by markets is roughly 8%. And the strike, which is 20% away, pretty far, has been chosen to be reflecting a two standard deviation move in one year, which is a theoretical 5% probability. The market is pricing in an 8% probability, All right? Now, you can understand that using digital options to derive market implied probability is a very cool tool because if you can do that consistently across asset classes, you have a great way to check what the market is pricing against your own subjective assessment. We are working on a tool that will interactively allow you to do just that. But anyway, back to the point. My own subjective probability is that there is a 20%, roughly 20% probability that the Canadian dollar will, hard, will weaken very hard against the Japanese yen. This is because the Canadian private sector is more indebted than the Japanese one at the peak of the real estate bubble in the 90s, when the Imperial Palace was worth more than the state of California alone. The Bank of Canada is tightening to, to fight inflation. I think it will compound the pain for the very highly leveraged private Canadian sector. There are already signs of slowdown in the housing market. I think safe haven currencies like Japanese yen will benefit from uh, uh, you know weakening macro environment overall. So I don't know whether the Canadian dollar will weaken by twenty percent or more in one year against the, the Japanese yen. I only know that the probability, my subjective probability distribution, is skewed differently than the market one, and I expect markets to adjust my way going forward. The third point is to remember that correlations are not stable. And internals matter. If there is one true holy grail of investing is to add assets to your portfolio that are poorly correlated with each other and they add returns. There is one problem though, these correlations are not always stable. A typical example would be to look at the correlation between SPX and TLT, so the S&P 500 and long-term bonds in the US over the last 20 years. It was mostly negative, 
the most observed correlation point over the last 20 years was negative 0.5, pretty decent negative correlation. But this correlation can quickly become unstable. As we have seen recently, it can even turn positive because central banks cannot and won't ease policy during market drawdowns now because of high and persistent inflation. So studying how cross-asset correlations behave different uh, during different market regimes is important to limit your drawdowns. Also here, guys, we're working on interactive tools for you to be able to check just that. And ultimately, if you're running a more tactical portfolio, you will be interested in comparing the recent volatility-adjusted moves against how these asset classes should theoretically behave in the macro regime you, you have identified. So for instance, last month, the, if you look at the internals of the stock market, you can see that industrials and the retail stocks and even certain emerging ca- countries like Turkey led the rally on a volatility-adjusted basis and the laggards were staples and healthcare, the most defensive sectors, basically. So looking at that information, does that fit in your macro picture? If not, maybe there is a good risk-reward tactical opportunity out there. So observing the recent vol-adjusted behavior of stock market internals and asset classes can be a useful tool too in portfolio construction. So summing up, mastering the art of macro portfolio construction, first of all, requires you to abide by the principle for which the true wisdom is knowing that you don't know. Global macro is a giant puzzle with a lot of uncertainty in it. To maximize your odds of success, there are three things you can do at least. Build unbiased and data-driven macro models. Don't blindly trust them, by the way. Find the market's weak spots. And remember that correlations are not stable and that internals and cross-asset moves matter a lot. When it comes to embracing this philosophy, our long-term ETF portfolio remains positioned still with a good chunk of dollar cash, more than normal exposure to 10-year-plus government bonds, and still a low exposure to risk assets Despite the rally, we prefer having high-quality growth names and non-cyclical names, while, um, you know, basically the cyclical and the high-beta industries, we stay as far as possible away from those. From uh, from a tactical portfolio perspective, there have been some updates. You can see that uh, in the the article. In short, um, the Nasdaq Russell relative value trade has been turned back into a short Russell trade. Um, We entered back again over 2,000 short in the Russell. The two cents flattener has been closed at a very large profit um, on the 11th of August. There are new trades in together with the short Russell. I'm short euro against the dollar and I'm short the Canadian dollar and the Australian dollar against the Japanese yen as already elaborated in the article. This was all for today, guys. Thanks for listening. In general, if you're interested in any kind of partnership, if you want to sponsor the Macro Compass, feel free to reach out at themacrocompass at gmail.com. And uh, the last request from my side is if you would be so kind to share this article around so that we can spread the word about the Macro Compass even more, it would really make my day. We'll talk again next week, guys, and enjoy your summer.